Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, live across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and live around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning and welcome to it. It is the Michael Duke Show and we are diving into it with uh, our Tuesday edition, which you know means uh, the weekly top three. Which is, which, which is always, uh, I mean, it's always a mixed blessing because it's always, uh, I mean, it's always informative and educational, but boy, sometimes oh so depressing. Uh, just because there are so many issues facing the state of Alaska and we really wish, uh, we really wish we could get a handle on some of these things. Uh, Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We'll be coming in and joining us here this morning and uh, talking with us about the uh, the weekly top three, which includes today <clears throat> the uh, the outlook on the new spring revenue forecast, what it's likely to tell us. We'll also talk, of course, about Willow, the new Willow decision, which has come out yesterday. And, of course, it's a bit of a mixed bag. It's a double-edged sword. Uh, the day before the Willow decision uh, was finalized, the Biden administration came out and shut down 13 million acres of land in NPRA uh, and also uh, for, and, and put some heavy restrictions on it and then also completely cut out almost 3 million acres of um, um, what I think probably is highly viable stuff uh, on the Beaufort Sea. So uh, kind of a mixed bag there. And then also a discussion that we're going to finalize uh, up with the uh, discussion about the working age population in the state of Alaska and how it's on the decline. We, we tried to get into this the other day, but we ran out of time. Uh, it's an interesting look. Uh, some of the highlights include the fact that Alaska has had 10 consecutive years of more people leaving the state than moving into it. And that's the longest stretch of... Um, uh, the longest stretch of that trend, more people moving out than moving in, since the records began right after World War II. So it's uh, <clears throat> not, looking, not looking good for your hometown heroes. Uh, kind of problematic. Uh, and so we'll talk with Brad about that uh, here in uh, in hour one of the big radio show. Uh, that's happening. And then uh, in hour two... We're now going to uh, be talking with Chris Story, the man from Homer, who's going to come in, join us, and give us some positivity. After we take the verbal beat down from Brad, I mean, we joke about it, but it's such good information. It's usually it's things that we hadn't talked about or thought about uh, in various forms. So while we say that it's the beat down and everything else, uh, it's 
it's not really. It's necessary. It's you got to take your medicine. So if you got to take your medicine, you need your spoonful of sugar to help that medicine go down. Just think of Chris Story as your spoonful of sugar. That's what you. He's so sweet. All right. So just think of that. Um, and uh, so so Chris Story will be joining us in hour two to talk about that and give us uh, and give us uh, his thoughts on uh, what we should be focusing on for the for the year, for the day, for the week, all the stuff. For all the stuff and things. Stuff and things, Lori. Stuff and things. All right. Um, and uh, I guess that's it. That's it for today. Tomorrow on the program, uh, we are expecting Mike Shower to be joining us in hour two uh, for the Shower Hour of Power. Still working on a guest for hour one. Uh, and working on guests for Thursday. On Friday, Dr. John Lott will be joining us, um, and we'll be talking with him about uh, some of his latest writings, uh, and then uh, we'll finish up the week with Willie Waffle. It's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff out there, a lot of stuff coming on, so we're looking forward to it here. Um, so we're going on. Um <clears throat> All right, let's uh, let's take a look at a couple of the headlines before we get too far along here. Brad's going to be joining us here in just a moment. And uh, I guess uh, that working age population article, by the way, um, can I can I make an observation? Do you mind? Do you mind? Do you mind if I sidebar for a second? So this story was actually, I saw it published uh, in the ADN uh, just the, uh, uh, just, just a minute ago, just the other day, just the other day, um, I saw it in the ADN. And um, so then uh, there was another link that got circled back around to me from Alaska Public Media. And then I realized that the thing was, was that it's all coming out of the Alaska Beacon which, if you don't know, is a project of, oh, it's, anyway, we've talked about how the Alaska Beacon is um, funded in part by a lot of progressive organizations, and it's a private news organization, yada, yada, yada. I just realized how many articles are basically just reprints, that there is not a whole lot of actual uh, standalone journalism going on in the state it's even less than i thought the more that i look at it and the more that i'm seeing the reprints of these various stories uh this working age population story came originally from yareth rosen and it was over at the alaska beacon and i didn't notice it in the adn that it was a reprint uh but it happens all the time i mean there's a ton of stories that are just uh, you know where is if you've got all these major news media outlets, and many of them are just reprinting. Um, and this one came. This this reprint uh, is from the, is uh, at Alaska Public Media, so the PBS site, right? So I guess my what happened? Where's where's all the independent journalists working for all these organizations? You know, where's uh, Jimmy Olson in the newsroom with the Great White Chief? Right? I mean, where's where where is where's that happening? Is it just that we're just happy to reprint things as we see fit these days? We're just happy to just be a clearinghouse for all these reprints of stories that we find, and that's what the newspaper has become? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just 
it struck me this morning <clears throat> when I saw this story and I'm like, wait, this is exactly the same story, exactly the same photo, exactly the same. And then I realized it says up here at the very top underneath in tiny print that it's a reprint from the Alaska Beacon. Uh, and the ADN story says the same thing. Anyway, I'm just wondering, I mean, it, what is it? What does that mean? If we end up, if it all boils down to there's one outfit writing stories and everybody else is just essentially reprinting those stories, um, that, um, that, I guess that becomes problematic. Just that's what I'm saying. I guess that becomes problematic in the long run, in the long run. Um, all right. So the Alaska Senate has now uh, advanced the school BSA funding bill. The Senate Education Committee uh, yesterday advanced the bill to increase the state funds for public schools. Um, and that would include the base student that would increase the base student allocation to one thousand dollars in the coming fiscal year, which translates to about two hundred and fifty seven million dollars. Uh, it would increase funding the following year, by the way. This is not just a one-time increase. And I love how they tack on these multi-year things, even though you're not supposed to um, even though you're not supposed to uh, bind one legislator over to another, yada, 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 that the bill would increase funding by an additional three hundred and forty eight million or uh, three hundred and forty eight dollars the following year. So it'd go from a thousand dollar increase to a thirteen hundred and fifty forty eight dollar increase. Which will cost another $89, $89 million. So now we're up to a quarter, excuse me, to over a third of a billion dollars in education increase in 24 months. The measure would also create new reporting requirements for the school districts, which Tobin said would make the bill more palatable to Dunleavy and conservatives who've pushed for increased accountability measures because... They certainly wouldn't push for it. It's only Dunleavy and the conservatives that are pushing for increased accountability measures because we don't, they don't need them. They, they're just fine. They're just like, give them the money, whatever it takes. Accountability, pff, that's for suckers. Meanwhile, the House Education Committee held their initial hearings on the two separate bills that have been proposed by the governor. One is the parental rights measure, which we talked about with the educational thing, the opt-in, the uh, um, uh, also provide, uh, and, the, the, and, the, and the notification, the opt-in, the utilization of bathrooms and locker rooms. And then there's the second bill, which would provide annual pay bonuses for teachers. Well, of course, most of the pro-government spend crowd was all about uh, openness to the governor's teacher's bill, the bonus bill, which would offer them those pay boosts. But they were quick to say that it could not come instead of an increase to the BSA, that they was both. It's not an alternative. It's either or. It's, 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 no, it's, and it's not an alternative and it's not either or. It is both for them. Of course, we need more money and a raise and the BSA. And, 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 and. So these two bills are moving along, although neither one has got a lot of momentum yet. We'll see what happens with that. But they have publicly stated the Senate is, man, they put their cap on it. They want to see this happen.
They want to see this this happen. The House Ways and Means Committee is also having a joint meeting on House Education tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. with our good friend Sarah Montalbano, because she's going to be presenting from the Alaska Policy Forum, their education uh, expert. So 6 p.m. tonight, the Ways and Means Committee meeting is going to be Sarah. Oh, it's going to be so good. I can't wait. Uh, All right. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting it off there. I'm cutting it off there. We got to go. I'd like to get Brad out early. We got a lot to cover here tonight, today, this morning. My God, there's not enough coffee in the world right now, is there? And I've got a, my beard is crooked this morning. It's kinked on top of it. I mean, I don't know what the deal is. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. All right, here we go. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. We'll return with more. Right after this. What is that? Common sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Not enough coffee in the world to make this whole thing work this morning. I mean, I just could not get the, I mean, I like, I knew he was going to take my wife's curling iron at one point. I couldn't get the damn thing. Anyway, some days it's just not worth getting out of bed. Know what I mean? Know what I mean? All right. Let's, uh, let's go over here and uh, see what Brad, well, we knew what Brad did. Brad just shaved his down to just where it's got just enough that it doesn't get in the way, you know? He still gets that. He still gets that handsome look, and he doesn't it doesn't get in the way of having to brush it down. Uh, hello, Mr. Keithley. How are how are you, my friend? How are things going? Good, good, good evening, Mr. Dukes. Oh, good man, morning. I good, know. good afternoon. What what are where are we? I mean, I've been up for like almost two hours, and I still my brain is just not you know. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's uh, just proof positive that apparently. Uh, old age and cynicism is the only thing that I still have uh, that I still have any uh, surplus in this morning. Um, all right, so you all ready to uh, to dive into this and to uh, to get to get involved? Any thoughts? Right. Any thoughts on the uh, on this continuing back and forth between uh, the uh, between Dunleavy's or between the House and the Senate on this uh, education thing? I mean, don't you love it? Oh, we'd love to have the governor say, but not in, but on top of the BSA increase, no, no, nothing else. It can't be either or. Don't you just, don't you just love that? Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about some stuff that's going to be in the spring revenue forecast coming out this week that'll make that even more humorous. Uh, that they're talking about, you know, piling spending on top of spending. It's um, we, we don't the the spring revenue forecast. I, it's not me. It's 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 the things I talk about. I guess the spring revenue forecast is not going to be time for celebration, and um, and and it, and it'll put a frame on these additional spending proposals that is is not going to be uh, complimentary. How about that? Not going to be complimentary. That's a nice way of saying the poo parade has arrived. That's what you're saying right there. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a good thing we wore the brown pants today because it's going to so be I, I, You know, this this back and forth is just, I mean, I just sit here and sort of chuckle. Really? Where are you going to get the money? I mean, it, they're just, they're debating about, about, you know, how, how much 
they're going to tax middle and lower income Alaska families, how much they're going to take out of the PFD. It's just, it's, it's yeah. piling on, on top of piling on, on top of piling on. Well, I love the fact that they're going to do, it's a thousand dollars this year, but then another 348 next year. So another $89 million, but don't you dare bind us over from another legislature. It'll be fine, you know, kind of thing. And it's just, like you said, where does all the money come from? This is the same problem we're seeing at the federal government level now, too, right? And now the bank failures and everything else, and they're like, oh, we'll bail everybody out. Don't worry about it. Too big to fail, too big to jail. It's all it's all fine and dandy. Um, all right. Well, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, uh, our guest. You can find them at ak4sb.com. And, of course, his weekly column over uh, at the Landmine and, of course, on Twitter, and wherever he feels like fighting it out with people, I don't know. You just you just want to go out there, and Brad just throws a chart out, and it's like chumming the waters. You just watch the sharks circle around as Brad starts to throw the charts out there. People lose their mind. Uh, so anyway, it's uh, it's good stuff. Um, all right. Well, I guess we're gonna uh, we're gonna jump into this here in just a minute, Brad. So hold the line for just a second. Brad Keithley uh, continues with us here in just a moment. Uh, we will uh, be right back to it. Don't forget to like and share, like and follow. Do all the stuff. Do the stuff and things. And uh, we will uh, we'll, we'll hopefully continue to grow the show right now. We'll get back into this uh, here in just a hot second. Uh, and, uh, oh, don't forget to check out the Common Sense Core while you're there. If you want to help support the show, that's the best way to do it. Just go out to the Common Sense Core. And, uh, and, uh, you know, three, three bucks a month or something, you'll be, you'll be a hit. Here we go. Jumping back into it right now. Okay, we're ready to go here. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-Based, Free-Thinking Radio. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He joins us right now. It is the weekly top three. Those top three items that uh, Brad thinks I think we need to be paying closest attention to. I mean, there's a lot of things we could be paying attention to. Maybe these are just the top three items that are floating to this. It's like the dross. It just floats to the surface of the dumpster fire that is what's going on. Is that what it's like, Brad? I don't know. I'm not quite sure how these. We we, we could talk about basketball. This yeah, is the, I know. We're starting the, the tournament. We can spend the entire time talking about basketball. I know, exactly. Which That's the one with the small little tiny ball with the with the with the with the rackets, right? That's what basketball is. <laughs> I know nothing about sports. <laughs> nothing about sports at all. Um, all right, Brad Keithley, um, we're going to start things off here and uh, kind of kick things uh, kind of kick things around. And the first thing that we need to talk about is the upcoming spring revenue forecast, which you are saying has definitely got some um, eye-opening things that are going to be coming through, right? That's the that's the bottom line here. Give us uh, give us the intel on number one here. Well, to put things in context, every year the Department of Revenue issues two revenue forecasts. One is in the fall, which is their major forecast that they provide 
a lot of backup for and a lot of detail uh, uh, around. And that one is issued in connection with the fall with the governor's budget in December. It's prepared in October and November and issued uh, in December. And then once the session starts, uh, there's a second revenue forecast that they issue in the spring. Um, uh, that is an update intended as an update to the fall forecast doesn't have as much detail, but really sort of updates on the, the, the oil trends and other trends that are going on, uh, inside, uh, inside revenue, uh, since the start of the session. And that one is typically issued March 15th and March 15th is what tomorrow. So, um, we're expecting, uh, uh one of the things we're looking for this week certainly is the, is the spring revenue forecast. We do a lot of analysis during the course of the of the week and the month uh, on what's going on with oil prices and what's going on with volume production volumes and other things, and so we've got a pretty good insight uh, on where the what the spring revenue forecast is going to tell us, and it's not going to be great. Um, in the in the very immediate term, it's going to tell us that uh, 2023, the current fiscal year is on track to come in uh, with the fall forecast, significantly down from last year's spring forecast, but to come in on track with the fall forecast. There's been a lot of concern about whether we're gonna have to tap into the CBR. Um, uh, this legislature is gonna have to tap into the CBR to fund the remainder of FY23. It looks like uh, from, the, from the, the prices that we see right now, from the futures prices we see right now for the rest of the, of the fiscal year that we're gonna just barely slide by uh, and um, and and not have to tap into the CBR, but FY24 and beyond are looking materially worse uh, than uh, than they did uh, in the fall revenue forecast. The fall revenue forecast projected uh, for FY24, the the fiscal year that begins next July one, this coming July one, uh, projected uh, eighty one dollars a barrel. The current futures prices are telling us. It's going to be more in the range of $75 a barrel. The year after that, FY25, uh, the fall revenue forecast projected $77 a barrel. The uh, current futures prices are telling us $71 a barrel. That translates into about $400 million or so um, uh, less revenue uh, for each of the of the near, at least in the near term, for each of the next uh, several years. Uh, $400 million less revenue. Than was projected in the uh, in the fall uh, forecast. In the fall forecast for FY24, for example, was 700 million down uh, from the previous uh, spring forecast. So over the course of from from last spring's forecast to this forecast, uh, we're down a billion dollars uh, in oil revenue for FY24, the budget that we're looking at this year, and the and less 700 million for FY25 between last year's spring forecast and this spring forecast. Uh, but but the trends, the trends are are coming in below. So when you when when you see headlines about you know Senate passes or Senate committee passes increased education spending, significant increase in education spe education spending, I just sort of, you know, I blink my eyes in in amazement. I mean we've got we've got spending trends that are going like this and revenue trends that are that are that are going like that. Without any discussion, uh, I mean, the Senate's doing this without any discussion of what's going on on the revenue side. It's like, it's like you know, revenue is infinite, and so we'll just keep spending because you know we don't have to worry about the revenue side, and that's just uh, that's just wrong. The other thing, the other thing that I'm going to be looking for in the spring forecast that I think is going to be a little bit lower, a little bit lower, 
than what we saw in the fall forecast is production volumes. We're coming in below, not hugely, maybe 5%, but we're coming in below uh, on the production side uh, for FY23, unless there's some big change in the last uh, last few months of FY23, we're going to come in below. And I think that's indicative that some of our existing um, uh, resources are producing less than what uh, than what the Department of Natural Resources, which does the production forecast, what they had estimated um, uh, last fall. And I expect that uh, that production trend to uh, to sort of carry through that lower production trend to uh, to carry through. That also will have a hit uh, to uh, uh, to revenues, not as huge as the price changes. Because the price changes obviously apply to all the rev all the production volumes across the across the line. Uh, production volumes really have a much smaller drops in production volumes have a really much smaller impact on on revenue. But for for people who think, oh, we're going to be saved by increased production volumes, that ain't happening. Um, uh, at least in the next the next few uh, uh, fiscal years, um, if anything, we're going to see a trend down. Uh, sometimes in the spring revenue forecast, they don't do a full remake. Uh, of the production volume, so they may just show this year down, and they may, you know, stick with the fall forecast for the remaining production volumes. But I think that we're down enough in this in, in this year that there ought to be a relook at what the at, at the factors they're using for future years. And if they do relook at it, I suspect that the that the the volumes are going to be down. The third component to look at is uh, the permanent fund corporation, the earnings. Uh, that's separate from the spring revenue forecast. They just pick up whatever the Permanent Fund Corporation is doing. Permanent Fund Corporation is showing some decline uh, from what they from what was used in the fall forecast, showing some decline from for permanent fund earnings revenues uh, from what was included in the fall forecast, um, and so that'll that'll have a downward impact also. So net net, uh, you know, the spring revenue forecast is is it's not me. The spring revenue forecast is going to be is going to be somewhat uh, depressing for those uh, for those who are concerned about how we're going to fund all, not only not only this increased spending, but how we're going to fund the base spending, the spending that right. you know is continuing on from year to year. They're, they're, we're, we're falling short of that, much less having having spare funds to uh, to fund the increase. So, what do you? It's, um, it's not going to be a good situation. What do you think it's going to? I mean, you know, again, forget about the increase. What about just what the static uh, costs are? What kind of uh, what kind of damage do you think this is going to do to a potential deficit for twenty four? I mean, does it? Uh, how much does it increase that gap? Give me a give me a give me a feel here for how much it increases the gap. So four hundred million dollars. So we, we the, the projection last spring for for FY twenty four revenues was four point one billion dollars. Uh, the projection uh, last fall was three point four billion dollars, seven hundred million dollars down from that. What I think we're going to see the projection for FY24 that comes in now is about uh, three billion dollars on on traditional revenues, so the the oil and 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 other uh, uh, you know, existing fees and and, and uh, 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 taxes. So we're going to be about we're going to be about a billion one down. Uh, that's about a quarter. We're going to be about twenty five percent down from last spring, uh, about four hundred million dollars uh, down from uh, from last fall. Of what the projections were that's i mean trends going down <laughs> it's not it's not going up it's not funding increased spending anywhere it's going down right so and as you said all the all the spend side of it is all on the uh 
on the uh, upflow. Everything's going up, up, up. The hockey stick kind of thing on the other side. Michael, we, we've just had a complete disconnect. I mean, I, we, we've just totally disconnected spending from reality um, uh, in this state. I did a column. We did a column uh, for last Friday's landmine that looked at uh, spending under various scenarios, uh, resetting the baseline spending on uh, on Senator Sedman's $1,300 PFD, Dan Ortiz's 2575 uh, Zach Fields' $1,000 PFD, we looked at a, a number of scenarios uh, and reset the baseline and looked what that and and took a look at what that looked like going forward, and then took the difference the 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 deficit between what the current futures prices is telling are telling us and the permanent fund corporation are telling us about where revenues are going and the and 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 took the deficit between that and what these various uh, spending projections were, and then we did an analysis of where the PFD runs out right. And the PFD runs out, uh, starts running out uh, under some of these scenarios in FY28, uh, uh, five years from now. Uh, runs out, not not down, runs out, zero. PFD's done uh, by FY28 on some of these scenarios. So we just, we, we have completely lost lock uh, on the connection between the spending side and the revenue side. I mean, I the, the people who are talking about increased spending, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking about other than you know revenues are somebody else's problem. I don't have to worry about those. I run the education committee. We're all about spending, so I get to spend a lot. So I'm going to spend even more. And revenues, hey, you know, we'll leave that to somebody else. I, there is nobody else. I mean, it's there are no revenues. Right, right. They're, they're going down. So long and the short of it is not good news for the spring revenue forecast, which is due to come out tomorrow. Uh, it will be shocking. So give me, lay me some odds here. Put the envelope to your head, Great Kreskin, and tell me what you think the reaction is going to be from all these big spending <laughs> folks here in the legislature. Are they going to look at it and just go, well, okay, somebody else's problem? Or is it, I mean, is anybody going to wake up? I don't know. You know, Ben Carpenter, I maybe the Ways and Means Committee. Well, we'll have some hearings on it. Maybe House Finance. Will have, I don't. I don't expect Senate Finance to do much about it. Right. Maybe House Finance will have have some hearings on it on the disconnect between where we're going on the spending side uh, and on the revenue side. But it's it's huge. I mean, t for those interested, take a look at last uh, Friday's uh, Alaska landmine column, and you can see how huge those differences are, how fast they're growing, and what they're doing to the PFD. I mean, what's the reaction going to be? Well, Bert's going to say, well, maybe we can't afford a $1,300 PFD. Maybe it needs to be 1100 And boy, isn't that good? $1,100. I mean, isn't yeah. that great? You know, shouldn't to, shouldn't you be satisfied? Shouldn't you be satisfied? It's, you just, know. <clears throat> it's just nuts. I mean, they're, they're, they're taking it out of middle and lower income Alaska families. They're taxing the hell out of middle and lower income Alaska families. And, and, you know, and they're telling they're telling him it's good stuff. I mean, you should be happy. You should be happy that we're that we're only taxing you this much. That you get, you know, you get to get to yeah. keep this much of the PFD for now. Right. Uh, be satisfied, uh, peasants. Be satisfied with what we have given you. Uh, that's what it comes down to. All right, Brad, give me a tease for number two here. Well, number two is we're going to talk a little bit about Willow. There's been a lot written about Willow in the last couple of days. There'll be a lot written about Willow in. Uh, uh, in the coming future, but we're going to sort of look beyond Willow. We're going to take today's events and then sort of look beyond and 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 see what uh, what the next thing up that's uh, that's important from an Alaska perspective. All right, Brad Keithley, 
Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He's going to continue with us here, and we will be back with more in just a moment. The weekly top three continues on your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio, The Michael Duke Show. We're back with more right after this. Listened to by more staffers in Juneau than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're going to be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Brad Keithley, our guest here on the program as we continue forward. I mean, here's the thing, Brad. Nothing, nothing is, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to, they're going to see this and they're going to go, well, uh, okay. And then they're just going to move on. Like you said, there's a total disconnect um, between the revenue and the expenditure side in this state. And quite honestly, I mean, first and foremost, this is the problem with building the entire economy on this total volatile, you know, commodity and market things going up and down and up and down between production and price, things beyond our control, like federal oversight and all these other things. And this is the, this is the problem. This is, this is the problem right here. Just no, 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 there's no connection to reality with what's going on in the state. There isn't. I, we may see a couple of stories. I, I, I can hope we will see a couple of stories in the media about what the spring revenue forecast is going to be telling us about the about the drop in in prices, about the drop potential drop in production, about the about the you know the fact that we keep going down and down and down in terms of in terms of revenues. Uh, and maybe we will get a couple of stories out of that, but you know, and then it'll just be overtaken again by we got to spend, we got to retain teachers, we got to have more, you know, more and more in the classroom. We got we got to have more and more and more. We got to have you know child care, state funded child care. We got to have, you know, the university. We got to have defined. This is just nuts. This is just nuts. Uh, we don't have the revenue to support it. The only way we have the revenue to support it is by taking money out of the hands of middle and lower income Alaska families, disproportionately taxing them. Uh, that's the only way that, that that we're making it through. And we run out of that. Look at the, look at last Friday's column and you'll see we run out of that rapidly, the, the, the direction we're going. And it's just, you know, Kathy Giesel could care less about that. Bert Stedman, I think, could care less about that. Um, I don't know about Bryce and about Neil uh, over in House Finance. I haven't seen, you know, much evidence of what they're talking about and it, it, much concern about it in House Finance. Ben's concerned about it in ways and means, but there's only so much, you know, that 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 you can get across in ways and means, and the and the and the media is barely covering ways and means. So I, it's just nuts, Michael. I mean, right? We're, we're going to look back on this and fight, just like we're sitting here now looking back on the last decade and saying it was just nuts to drain every year to say, we're going to solve it. We're going to solve it next year. We're going to solve the spending problem next year. Uh, and, uh, and, and we're going to just drain savings a little bit more until it's gone. We're going to look back on this, you know, from the end of this decade and say, what the hell were we doing? What the hell were, you know, our leaders thinking uh, during this entire period when they kept spending and piling on more spending and piling on more spending just, well, nuts. again, this is again, that whole attitude of, well, 
who cares? The money is always there. I mean, I think Jeff <laughs> Jeffrey says Jeffrey says I can't be out of money. I I still have checks. And then and then Tony says, well, the Alaska legislature, I can't be out of money. I still have my credit cards. What are checks? I mean, that's the thing. They have no. It's just like. It don't matter. We'll, we'll we'll spend it. We got money somewhere. We'll find it. You figure they it out. They don't have. Here's the thing. They don't have the money. It's middle and lower income Alaska families. It's 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 the inheritance. It's the heritage. Oh come on, Brad. That's set up for middle and lower income Alaska families. But that's not your money. That's still their money. That's still their money, right? Because Bill Walker said it's still your money. Bill Walker said, "Well, this is revenue. This is state revenue. This is not. This is not the P. I know what they said, and I know what they said that they should have first call, and I know that that's the people. But no, no, that's that's government revenue. So again, they'll suck up all the available revenue in the in the in the room, and then <clears throat> I guarantee you, in 2028, if the world hasn't tilted off its axis and fallen into the sun by 2028." That we'll be having this conversation again, and now it will be they've sucked up every available dollar, and now they'll be coming back to you saying, well, you know, you Alaskans, you really should pay your fair share. You know, you're not paying your fair share. No other state in the—we're the only state that doesn't have some form of tax, so we you should really pay—you know, they'll shame you. They'll look you in the eye and say, you know, you really should pay your fair share for state government. And you know, Michael, what what they're going to start in on is they're going to start in on sales taxes, which are the most regressive form of tax, other than PFD cuts, which are the most regressive form of tax in the nation. They'll start in on sales tax and say, "Oh, you know, it it it'll be it'll be you know, shove it to the middle and lower income Alaska families again." Look, you know, I'm in the top twenty percent. I'll be fine, me personally. But the Alaska economy and Alaska families, eighty percent of Alaska families will be worse off. The Alaska economy will be worse off. The nest egg, the promise, the inheritance that we said we were setting aside for middle and lower income, primarily for middle and lower income Alaska families, that'll be gone. Right. It'll, it'll be, I mean. Well, and by then too, it'll be too big to fail, right? Because now they will have instituted all these new plans and programs and spending. And now they'll say, oh, we can't possibly cut that out now because people are dependent on it. So now we we can't go backwards now. It'll be tougher to cut then than it is to you think it's tough to cut right now? You wait till they add even more spending on. You wait till they add all these extra things on, then it'll become damn near impossible. The constituencies, the additional constituencies they add. That's what's yeah. going on. That's uh, somebody mentioned the Bastiat and the buying from the public treasury and this is exactly this is exactly what we're talking about. All right, here we go, the Michael Duke show. I always forget to push the button twice. All right. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, number two of the weekly top three. Brad should really tell us how he feels. I mean, we got them all worked up during the commercial break. Uh, and now we've got Willow, right, which is going to save us all. Willow's going to... Oh, maybe not. Um, Willow. Uh, I mean, it's been greenlit, right, but it's the two-edged sword. So they give Willow on three different uh, areas instead of the five or seven that they originally had talked about. And on top of that, they carved out, <clears throat> was it 16 million acres out of NPRA? Three millions completely off limits. Uh, some areas that are pretty viable, completely off limits, and severe restrictions on another 13 million acres 
uh, to try and appease all the green weenies out there. Uh, and, of course, it doesn't really matter because not a lot of that money comes to Alaska anyway. But this could be the last great oil development in Alaska. I mean, if if the ESG folks get their way, et cetera, what, what do you say? What's coming up with Willow? What are the ramifications? So Willow, Willow's important. Willow's important, as we've talked about on the show before. It's important from a contractor standpoint, from an employment standpoint. We'll talk a little bit about that more in the third segment. But but it's important. It's it's important from a from an economy standpoint because it will employ a lot of people. It will have a lot of contracts. There'll be a lot of activity up there, and it'll be good from the standpoint of of a construction project that will generate generate a lot of benefit for the for the state's economy. Uh, not not it won't generate much revenue for government. In fact, it for the first few years it takes money away from government because of the way our tax code works. Uh, but it will it will generate generate a lot of activity for the economy. The, the, the restrictions that, that Biden put on uh, NPRA and on the, the ocean are concerning, but not really. I mean, we sort of bounce back and forth. We have a Republican administration or we have a Democrat administration. They put a bunch of restrictions on. We have a Republican administration. They take the restrictions off. We have a Democrat administration. They put the restrictions back on. I'm not, I'm not going to worry too much about the about the restrictions that are put on the remainder of but, NPRA. But I've that seen does, that before. But that does have an effect on the yeah. investment side of things, right? Because then the companies are like, well, it's open right now, but what happens in 36 months when the White House changes? I mean, it really throws up some uncertainty there, right? It does have an effect, the, the wiffle ball back and forth. It does have an effect, Michael, and, and, and I don't mean to belittle that, but but we've, we're doing Willow, and Willow's an NPRA, um, and so, and so, you know, when you find a good project and you find uh, a good basis for the project, and you keep can keep the pads small, uh, there there is a justification for going forward. Now, you know, we may not be doing much more exploration out of NPRA. We've done some. There are some finds out there. Uh, maybe people will want to develop them, and maybe we'll have to wait for a Republican administration to push those along. But it's not. That's not. I. That's not where the storyline is on what on what's important to Alaska. Because even if those are developed, it's another willow. It's another federal lands. It's another case where the royalty goes to is split between the federal government and the and the communities, uh, uh, the affected communities. It doesn't go to the state. Um, and it's another situation in which actually our our, our revenue. It's another situation in which actually our revenue would go down for a while because of the way that the that the oil taxes work, they would take the construction costs as a credit against the production tax. Uh, while they're while they're in the construction phase of the project, so it, those those projects, the 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 additional restrictions that that Biden's put on really are not are not that big a concern to me. The next big thing up, and the thing that Alaskans now need to turn their focus to, because it means two things: it means both jobs and, and contracts, just like Willow does, but it also means state revenues, uh, bigger state revenues, because because of royalty, because the royalty would come to the state. Is the Pika project, and the and the and the and and we hope, uh, we hope that Willow is not the last great project. It may be, it may turn out to be the last great project on federal lands, but Pika is a big important project now on state lands, and we need to turn our attention to supporting uh, Pika as much as the as as much effort as went into supporting Willow, um, and Conoco Phillips and the contractors and everybody else who who. Who think they're going to make a lot of money off Willow? We now need to turn the, turn the same attention to Pika and be as supportive as Pika. Pika has the benefit that it's on state lands instead of federal lands, so it doesn't need as many federal permits 
um, as uh, as Willow does. Doesn't need as many uh, environmental approvals and as many uh, 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 permits from the federal government as as Willow does. But it's going to need some, and and we need to be as supportive as, of the Pico project now. Oil searches Santos's uh, Pico project uh, as we ever were of the Willow project because that. PICA is going to make a difference. It's, it's going to move the needle in terms of state revenues uh, uh, going forward. Um, and, and that's the one that's the one that, that the really now that Willow's done, now that now that everybody's, you know, said their said their great things about Willow and passed their resolutions and gone to D.C. and, you know, done all their lobbying. Now the attention needs to turn to PICA and it needs to be as supportive as P, of PICA as it ever was of, uh, of Willow. What do you think of the? I mean, now uh, I saw some commentary. I think it was yesterday that said, "Well, Willow's been passed now, but now the litigation phase opens up. Right now, it's going to be. I mean, there's still no guarantee that this thing is starts this year, next year. I mean, it could be. We could be stuck in all these things for the future because there's no there's no end to the uh, to the environmental side of this, the ESG side. They're going to be pushing hard on this." They are. Uh, Conoco said a good thing. Um, Conoco said that they're going to go ahead and start the pads, start the gravel work uh, immediately uh, this season uh, with uh, with the environmental approvals from uh, uh, from the from the administration, from the Biden administration. And that's that's a good sign. They didn't say anything about holding it up, waiting on litigation. There will be litigation. But but one thing about. Democrats do some things better than Republicans. One thing Democrats do is they do they do approvals better than Republicans. They tend to dot the I's and cross the T's better than Republicans do. One of the problems with Willow was it was done during the Trump administration, not good, bad, or indifferent, but they just sort of they sort of rocket they sort of rocketed to the end, approved, uh, without really dotting the I's and crossing the T's as they went as they went through the process. Democrats are much better. Democrat administrations are much better about dotting I's and crossing T's. So I, I have a I have a much better feeling about this approval process and its ability to withstand litigation uh, than than one should have had uh, with the with the Trump approval, Trump administration's approval. Um, and I think I think Conoco is signaling the same thing. I think Conoco is signaling that with their discussion of going forward with the gravel work. I think they're signaling that they have a much better feeling about the uh, about the the potential for approval than uh, uh, than than they did during the Trump administration. We'll we'll see. I mean, the the environmental groups will go into court quickly. They'll try to get an injunction against it. Uh, they'll try to uh, uh, try to you know scream bloody murder that the administration didn't do a good job on the environmental review, didn't do didn't adequately consider this that or the other thing. We'll see how the courts treat that. But I think. I think I think we've seen a much better process, a much better dotting of I's and crossing of T's this time. Um, you know, and let's for a second just talk about you and I have talked about this in the past, what Willow really means for the state. Again, this is more about an economic boom um, on the job side, on the construction side. It's a short lived boom in that regard, you know, for the build up and everything else. But overall, I mean, we're talking about uh, what is it, three, four billion dollars, but that's over the course of years, right? This is not just like we're going to immediately see half a billion dollars a year going into the kitty every year. This is a this is a, a smaller gain over a much longer term. Actually we see actually we see revenues go down for a while because during the construction phase as I as I mentioned, the way our tax code works, uh they get to the oil companies get to expense uh construction costs 
um, uh, regardless, I mean, as long as it's within lands that are subject to production tax, they get to expense the, expense the production costs against the uh, against the tax. So we'll see revenues go down for a while from where they otherwise would have been. We'll see go, revenues go down for a while as Conoco takes uh, the, the the expenses of constructing Willow as a as an offset uh, to their tax obligation. It'll it'll come back. Uh, once Willow gets into production and once we get through the, the, the tax holiday for, for new production, it'll come back. But that's that's outside the 10 year period before we see that coming back. Um, so it's it's a long way off. It's not a lot of dollars because the royalty dollars all go to the feds or all distributed by the feds. Uh, it's, it's a long time off before we see any revenues of the state. PICA, on the other hand, PICA does go through the same thing of, of a reduction in, in production tax. But Santos isn't paying much production tax, so it's really not a reduction from from what we've seen from from the from the revenues that we've seen uh, or revenues will be we will be seeing. Uh, there is the tax holiday once they get production up and running, but that's only for a, a period of time, and we get the royalties during the entire time it's producing. There's not a holiday on royalties; the royalties begin immediately. Right. Um, so it's so it, Pika is a much 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 more significant boom uh not boom it's a much more significant revenue source uh for the state than uh, than willow will ever be so willow again uh, just to break it down like i'm five here because we're coming up to the end um but basically willow short-term gain in the economy construction employment things like that but long long tail outside the 10-year window before we actually start to see revenues from it pika is the immediacy and that's and where is pika in the process here we got about two minutes here pika i think i think they're now projecting a 25 2025 or 2026 startup uh if i recall correctly it's coming in phases the first phase is eighty thousand barrels a day maybe maybe my memory's off a little bit on that but um it's a it's a fairly near-term startup it's a fairly significant volume in the near term you can see the bump in the production forecast, you can see that bump like in 26 or 27, uh, if I recall correctly. So it's 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 coming. It's it's going to come on faster uh, than Willow does. And as I say, because of the royalty side, tax side will be delayed. But because of the royalty side, we'll see a bump in revenues much more quickly. And approvals are all good. I mean, we're still working through any of those processes. <laughs> I mean, again, the federal government could be involved in the FERC and I mean everything else. So what what no, there's not. I mean, not, not FERC, FERC on that because it's not transported. So, but I mean, what you know, what what are the what are the roadblocks that we have on it? Well, we got a we got a few roadblocks. We got we got a few federal approvals yet, but they're not major. They they shouldn't be they shouldn't be holdups. If they you know if the federal government wanted to make them major, they probably could, but they shouldn't be. They should be traditional approvals, uh, of very of, of relatively small steps, relatively incremental steps. Um, and um, and we should be uh, should be okay with those approvals, but we need the same sort of focus on getting those approvals done. We need this the, the same sort of support of getting those approvals done and getting the state approvals done uh, and getting the process done as the same sort of focus on that as we've had on Willow. Much more important from a state revenue standpoint, and as we talked about in the first segment, we need a focus on the state revenue standpoint. Much more important from a state revenue standpoint. Than, uh, than Willow will ever be, and certainly much more important from a state revenue standpoint in the near term uh, than Willow will be. 
Um, I really want to go. Do you have time to stick with us? I mean, I know you're busy, but do you have time to stick with us in the next sure. segment to go over number three? Sure. So can you sure. give us a quick 30-second tease on number three here? So number three is is this recent report from the uh, uh, Department of Labor, Alaska Department of Labor, uh, about uh, analyzing Alaska's working age population and the decline in the working age population since 2013. There's a there's a there's a connection there that that isn't made in any of these articles, but I think is probably the determinative connection. Um, and we need to talk about what really does drive Alaska's working age. Uh, population because a lot of people are attributing it to not enough spending on education, not enough spending on the university, right? Not enough spending on childcare. I don't think that's it. All right, and uh, and we need to talk about the reasons. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for a Sustainable Budget, continues with us. Hour two, dead ahead. Sorry, I mean, this is just, I didn't mean to stretch this out too much, but I mean, I think this is important uh, between the first, say, the first number one and number two. Those two things are really, again, dependent, codependent on each other, especially for the long term with PICA and everything else and those revenues. Uh, but again, if we don't fix all the problems that are in number one, which is this complete disconnect, this complete lack of empathy for where does the money come from, um, we could have three PICAs on the horizon and it wouldn't matter because at this point they would consume everything in the room they're like locusts at this point it is i mean we, part of what's going on here i mean remember last year last year fy23 we can't we can't possibly spend any more than we spend in fy23 we funded all these capital projects we've made good on all these on all these past obligations all this one time spending we can't possibly spend any more than we spent uh then we spent in FY23. Well, <laughs> Bert Stedman's $1,300 um, uh, PFD, Dan Ortiz's $2,575 PFD, and Zach Field's $1,000 PFD, they do spend more. When you when you calculate what the what the uh, uh, amount that shifted to revenue out of the permanent fund earnings, when you calculate what's needed for those PFDs, and then you calculate the remainder that shifted over to revenue, they're spending more. Um, uh, 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 in, in those three scenarios, the $1,300 PFD, the $1,000 PFD and 2575, they're spending more than we spent, uh, than we spent last year. And there's no, there's, you know, you read the press. I know that Ben, I know that, I know that, that uh, the Republican side of the house is trying to, you know, sound the alarm for what's going on here. But there's nothing in the press about about you know we're 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 way the hell no we're way, no. way the hell beyond where we where we where we were in 23. No, it's it's the, the complicity of the news media at this point, basically just taking the talking points from the powers that be and just saying, oh look at all the great things that are going on and look at what's happening. How could you, House Republicans, stand in the way of such greatness, such great ideas? Uh, as this and thing, don't you care about the children and everything else? I mean, and the, I mean, even the even the snickering about, oh, well, you want an accountability component in this? I mean, come on, nobody needs an accountability component. We haven't taken care of the children, don't you know? I mean, there is no other side of the argument in any of the reporting on this in the state of. It's like I was talking about earlier. It's all coming out of, it looks like now, it's now all coming out of one news source and everybody's just reprinting the same news stories over and over. It's it's crazy. There is no accurate thought or analysis on this kind of, uh, on this kind of stuff. 
We're going to have a test. We're going to have a test when the spring revenue forecast comes out tomorrow, uh, if it's on, if it's on track, uh, on schedule. We're going to have a test about about how the legislature treats the spring revenue forecast and how the media treats the, sp- the spring revenue forecast. If I were if I were in the legislature, and everybody knows I never will be because I would never be elected, but if I were in the state legislature, I would hold hearings on the state's revenue situation using the spring revenue forecast as a trigger and, 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 and show those graphs, show those lines with revenue going down, show those graphs with, with deficits growing exponentially at, at, at various spending levels and have two or three days of hearings just focused on revenue and on the deficit picture that, that, that revenue is creating and see if the media uh, picks up on that. That's what it's going to take uh, to, to identify, uh, and, and to, and to, and to, and to, and to make people realize the, the, the challenge that we've got, uh, from a revenue standpoint. Donna says Brad's latest piece shows something important that cutting the dividend does not contribute to the, to budget balance. When the PFD money gets spent by the government, government spend grows faster than any, Revenue. Again, the one thing we've been talking about with people like Rob Myers and stuff is that disconnect between the private and the public economy. When they have access to all that money, well, I don't care what's going on in the private economy, right? I got I got all the money in the world. And when, when that permanent fund hits $100 billion, we'll have all the money we need and, and piss on the private economy. It doesn't matter. They've outspent that. I mean, the hundred billion dollar people, assuming a five percent take, that's five. That's five billion dollars. That's 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 what they that's what they've said is nirvana for revenue, right? We're beyond that. I mean, if you look at you look at the at the spending numbers that we've got in last Friday's column, we're way the hell beyond that. Um, uh, even even you know the 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 proposals that are less than uh, the thirteen hundred dollars or the twenty five seventy five or the thousand dollar PFD. We're way beyond that uh, in ten years, so it's not. We, we're just we, we've lost we've lost total track of 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 the relationship between revenues and spending, and what our revenues are. I mean, it's just it's like it's like it's like a it's like it's like we become the federal government, right? The federal government, you know, really doesn't pay much attention to revenues. They just keep spending and spending and spending. <laughs> uh, but but they can finance it with debt, right? They can right. finance it by by just issuing by just issuing government bonds. We can't do that. We need to keep track of where revenues are, uh, and and have some tie between that and spending. And we just we just aren't. And the spending caps we've we've talked about. I mean. James Kaufman, good for him. Will Stapp, good for them for you know having for talking about a spending cap. But those aren't attached to revenues; those are attached to something that you know sort of floats through the universe, uh, 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 GDP, your gross state product. Um, those aren't attached to revenue. So I, you know, we, we we have we have totally disconnected this government. We're we're in the process of totally disconnecting this government from spending and revenues. And, you know, a lot of people say that government isn't like your, isn't like your personal bank. You can't make analogies of your family uh, economics to government. Well, you know, I can't make one analogy when I don't have any money in my checking account, when the credit cards are tapped out, I'm done. You yeah. can't spend any more. <laughs> exactly. And that's going to be the same way with this government. And we're rapidly going there. You can't beat arithmetic is what we're trying to say. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're going to be back with more here. Hour two is dead ahead. 
Uh, we continue right after this. Here we go. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Welcome back to the program and thanks for continuing to join us. It is The Michael Dukes Show. We finished up usually by this time with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets with the weekly top three. But we went a little long last hour and we still have the third item, which I really want to know about. The first topic that we had uh, going on was the spring revenue forecast, which is not going to be good news, folks. It's supposed to come out tomorrow. It's not going to be good news. The second discussion uh, was about the effects of Willow and how it does and does not really affect us in the long term and the short term and how PICA is now waiting in the wings and we should be focusing on that. Uh, and thirdly, uh, we uh, are going to be talking about this, uh, the connection of the working age Alaskans, how that migratory effect is affecting us. There was an article uh, that came out. Uh, it was in the ADN. It was in Alaska Public. It's from the Alaska Beacon originally that talks about the fact that for 10 consecutive years, more people have been leaving the state than moving into it. And that includes the working age adults, which is a big number. Uh, and Brad Keithley, uh, in his third item on the weekly top three, says that there's a corollary that many people are missing on this. So we wanted to continue with Brad and uh, get some more discussion on this. So let's bring Brad Keithley back into the uh, into the discussion here, and we'll get started on that. Brad, welcome back. Thank you for holding on through the uh, through the break and coming on with us for this uh, third segment of the program today. I appreciate it. Michael, I made a big pot of coffee this morning, so I got enough to get me through one more segment. You got so one more I'm, segment, I'm, I'm, man. I'm Imagine if you had to do six or seven of these. I mean, come on. Um, uh, I, I don't wish I don't wish that on my worst enemy. Oh, come on. It's not that bad. I know you filled in for me a few years ago. It's uh, it's definitely. <laughs> and I'm still recovering from it. It was educational, was it not? It was educational. It was. It was. All right, Brad. So, again, the, the first two topics are super important. People need to go back and listen to the podcast if they missed it. A especially number one, where we continue to talk about this disconnect between revenue and expenditures, how the legislature just completely ignores that. Um, and that leads to a lot of problems, including, I think, this third problem that you're talking about, which is the decline, the the outflow, the exodus of working age Alaskans, which has been covered in a couple different articles with the new reports coming out from the Department of Labor. But you said there's something that all these articles are missing. Uh, there's a corollary that they're not seeing. So, Set us up for it and knock it down. So the setup is is that the Department of Labor uh, came out with a 
uh, an article about the decline in Alaska's workforce population since 2013. Big article, uh, important article, big uh, trend, important, important trend. And a lot of people are trying to make different things off of it. Those who want to increase government spending for K through 12, for childcare, for the university, for you know, you name it. Uh, they're all picking up on this on this statistic, and they're saying, "Oh well, the reason for the decline is we haven't had an investment in K through 12. The reason for the dis the decline is we haven't had an investment in childcare, state investment in childcare. The reason for the decline is because the universities have had have had problems. The Essentially, decline is we haven't spent enough government money. That's the reason yeah. for decline. Exactly, and goes on and on and on. But here's the thing: people are missing. When was the last great investment? rush on the north slope when did it end 2013 what was it point thompson what was going on before then well we had Kaparik, we had alpine we had we had you know prudhoe with the with the, the satellites being built out the last one in that string was point thompson that was that and that came to a head big head a lot of construction a lot of activity a lot of contracts a lot of people up there in 2013, some from out of state, but a lot of in-state contracts. And what happens when you have a big construction contract like that, a big oil field construction contract like that? Well, a lot of people have money. They spend it on restaurants. They spend it on small businesses. They spend it on, you know, holidays. They depend, they spend it all over the, all over the state, a lot out of the state, but also a lot, a lot in the state. What have we not had since 2013? We haven't had big oil field construction projects. We've had we've had sort of coming off the, the coming off the peaks. We've had we've just sort of you know ramped everything down. There was supposed to be more construction at Point Thompson uh, as as that as they ramped up the oil side. That never happened, uh, and so we have Point Thompson sort of sort of coming off the peak. Kaparik off the peak. Alpine off the peak. Point Thompson or uh, uh, Prudhoe uh, off the peak. All of those fields are are coming off the peak. And through the through the mid you know if you look at University, if you look at K through 12, they're all good until about 2016. But but what's really going on from 2013 on is we haven't had oil field construction projects. And none of these articles have really made the connection. I mean, all of them, everybody just immediately wants to spin it their own way. You know, oh, K through 12's gotten bad or, or university's gotten bad or something else has gotten bad. But that's not what real, what's really going on. What's really going on in terms of the workforce population is we've not have had any big oil field construction projects. I, now we're going to have Willow, hopefully, and Willow's going to start to ramp up. It's going to be slow at first, and then it's going to be you know major construction. And I and I'm going to suggest that we're going to see the workforce, the 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 working age population start to increase, not back to the peaks that we had, you know, 2013 and prior when we had all sorts of construction going on, oil field construction going on, but we're going to see it building back up as, as Willow comes up. And if Pika goes forward, we're going to see some building back up as, as, as Pika goes forward. That's what drives the working age population in this state. Not, I mean, K through 12 is nice. University's nice. Childcare, God only knows, but, but all of that stuff is, is, additive at the margin but that's not what drives the population what drives the population is big jobs and big jobs in this state are driven by big oil field uh, construction projects not big oil fields 
because once you get an oil field constructed, you can run it with a fairly small workforce. And then as it starts declining, sometimes you got to add people to get more out of it, uh, to get more, to drill more wells and get more out of it, but not much. What really drives it is big oil field construction. And, and we haven't had that since 2013. We're going to have it again. So, you know, people are trying to describe, trying to ascribe a lot of reasons to this phenomena of the decline in 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 working age population and trying to fashion a lot of government spend remedies to 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 respond to it those are not going to move the needle what's going to move the needle is willow and um, and and pika and that's just that's just the state uh, that's just the state we're in. That's just what our economy right. responds to. And you're not, and you're not, you're not saying that, of course, all those jobs and the eco- economic growth will all come specifically, strictly from the Willow, the Picas, the new projects. There's also the trickle down effect of those people having money and coming back into the economy and wanting to spend it. And there's that again, the ripple effect of the dollars, the dollars in the private. Where we talk about dollars turning in the private sector five, six, seven times, that's because there will be other things that will benefit from that that part of the spending, the private spending. Right, exactly right. And it's important that these are in state jobs, so that to the maximum extent we we possibly can do it. It's important that these are in-state jobs because it's not going to do us any good if we've got a bunch of people parachuting in from Oklahoma and Texas and Louisiana and New Mexico and Kansas and wherever they come from, you know, flying up on planes, working the project, then getting on planes and flying back home and spending that money back home. It's not going to help us if if that's what's going on. It's got to it's got to come from buildup of in-state jobs, in-state contracts, in-state uh, employment. That's that's the that's the key to it. Taking advantage of it. And you know, <laughs> these are going to be big jobs. They're going to be they're going to last for a while, but they're not going to last forever. And so, convincing people in their minds to come on up here, to move up here, to have their families up here, to be able to support those jobs without without the the sense that there's something beyond that, there's additional projects beyond that, may be a challenge. But you know, that's what's that's what's going to drive that's what drives employment. That's what drives working age employment in this state. And, 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 and there's, there's two important things out of this. One, to understand what does drive it, and it's oil field construction, and to understand what doesn't drive it. And that's K through 12, university, and, uh, and, and other spending. Improves quality of life at the margin, maybe, uh, but it doesn't drive jobs. We're not going to by having additional state spending, as much as people will will claim otherwise, by having additional state spending on K through 12, on on the university, on childcare and other stuff, we're not gonna have a huge bump in working age employment. What's gonna bring working age employment is is high is 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 good paying solid jobs uh, up on the slope. So what you're saying is the private industry and the private sector creates wealth and jobs for the long term and government doesn't which is exactly the opposite of what we continue to hear out of Juneau and Washington and other places where the government has got to drive the economy. It's a complete philosophical change and a difference. Donna Ardwin says people tend to move where there are jobs and opportunities and the state government isn't a mess. That's the problem. We've got a state government that's a mess. We don't have the opportunity and the jobs until these projects and things like that come online. But we've got to get the state government out of the mess, you know, side of the equation as well. Because, like you said, 
what that's all they see. They see the only way to move it forward is by more government spend. We just haven't spent enough. Yep. Well, yeah. And 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 during the 20 teens, I mean from 2013 to 20 to to currently 2023, we've had a decline in working age because we haven't had the attractiveness of North Slope jobs and there have been jobs in the lower 48. So if you got a job in the lower 48 and you don't have a job here or if you got a better paying job in the lower 48 and you don't have a job here, you're going to be attracted to the lower 48, even if they have taxes. My God, right. even if they have state sales taxes or state income taxes, you're going to be attracted to the lower, <coughs> excuse me, to the lower 48 because they've got jobs. So what we, we, I mean, so what we need to have up here is jobs. We need to have, we need to have projects. We need, that's what drives this state. Um, and, and hopefully Willow is going to add to that. And hopefully Peak is going to come behind uh, and add even more to that. And if we can find, have more discoveries on state land, then, then maybe we'll have a, we'll have a, another period uh, uh, beyond that. But, but that's what, that's what really drives jobs. And, and, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't be falling for the argument that, that it's K through 12, that it's state spending that's going to, that's going to save the jobs market. That's not, that really has very, very little to do with it. All right, Brad, let's wrap it up. One, two, and three. Give us your final thoughts here on kind of the combination of the three and how they all tie together. Well, one is, one is uh, the spring revenue forecast is not going to be pretty. Uh, revenues are going down. Uh, we have a huge disconnect between state spending, which is going up. Um, all you have to do is read the newspaper, state spending going up uh, and state revenues going down. And what's the what's the squeeze? What's going on in the middle? Middle and lower income Alaska families are going to lose a lot uh, as as uh, the government takes taxes them more and more by taking it, taking it out of the PFT. Uh, number two is uh, Willow's important. Willow's great. Thank you for all of the efforts on Willow. Uh, it's going to be an important an, an important component going forward, as we just talked about from a job standpoint. But from a government revenue standpoint, it's not that big a deal. Uh, actually, it costs money, costs the state money in the near term. Uh, it makes it back ultimately over the longer term, but it's not much, and it, and it takes a long time to get it back. The real important project is PICA. Uh, that's what's really going to drive the state revenues uh, because it's on state lands and we get state royalties uh, uh, from uh, from the PICA development in addition to production taxes. And so uh, uh, PICA, now that we've done now that we've done Willow, everybody needs to congratulate themselves, pat themselves on the back, and now double down on pushing forward on getting the approvals necessary to to bring PICA forward because that's much more important to the state. And the third is we need both these projects because that's what drives jobs. If you look at if you look at the at the correlation between industry investment and 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 working families, how many working families, working age families we've got uh, in the state, uh, it goes up when we when we've got oil field construction. It goes down when we don't have oil field construction. We're going to come back into a period where we're going up with Willow and hopefully Pika. Uh, that's a good thing, but we shouldn't tie we shouldn't tie this 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 lag in working age construction to things like K through 12 and, and, and the university and, and childcare and other things. Those are marginal things that improve quality of life, but those are not things that bring people that will bring people up here in the, in the types of volume uh, that we need to replace the uh, decline we've had in uh, working age families. 
Brad Keithley, <clears throat> Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We appreciate you sticking along with us. Thank you for coming on board. And Michael, Jordan, as always, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, Chris Story's up next. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. The problem is, Brad, we haven't spent enough government money. I mean, <laughs> $16,000 for every man, woman, and child in the state, and we still haven't spent enough. We don't have it, Michael. We don't have the revenues. I I just, I, you know, I mean, how much, if you're spending 16,000, you know, for a household of four, if you're spending, you know, 60 plus thousand dollars on state government for a household of four, and what are they really seeing? If that's not enough, what is it? Is it 80,000? Is it a hundred thousand dollars for a family of four? I mean, what is the magical number that you can't just, you know, you can't, it's a zero sum game. You can't just pour more money that you don't have into an empty bucket and expect it to fill up. It's got a hole in the bottom of it. You you can't do it. Government is a net consumer. It's not a producer and they just can't figure that out. Yeah. It's, um, we're, we're, we're coming, we're coming to the, we're, we're coming to the come to Jesus moment. I mean, we, we ran through savings in the 20 teens. We're now running through the PFD. We're now taxing the hell out of middle and lower income Alaska families by taking it out of the PFD through the 20, through the 2020s. And we're going to run out of it here, not in, in the not too distant future. And what happens then? I mean, we've built up this huge, we build up this huge state bureaucracy. We've got all these constituent groups that live off of, off of the state bureaucracy, live off these state dollars. And we will run out of the dollars. So what, what happens then? I mean, I, we're, we're heading, we're heading. We, we had one fiscal cliff in the early 20 teens when we, when we ran beyond our traditional revenues. Right. And we, and we, and it was like the roadrunner, right? We ran off the cliff and then we said, oh, we'll just use savings. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll bolster it with savings. We told ourselves every year we were going to, we're going to bring spending down, but never happened. And we're just, we're not, we're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to make the roadrunner okay by just bringing up savings. Then the roadrunner runs off the cliff. Then we run it out of savings in the, in the late 20 teens. Um, and, and the roadrunner's running off the cliff again. Now we're going to tax middle and lower income Alaska families. Now we're going to take money that's promised them, inheritance that's promised them under state statute. We're just going to ignore the state statute. We're going to take that money and we're going to keep the roadrunner going. And in fact, the roadrunner is just going to keep going higher and higher and higher. And, 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 and in the middle 2020s, to the late 2020s, we're going to run out of that. We're going to run out of the ability to tax middle and lower income Alaska families. We're going to take all their inheritance. We're going to take all their, all the money that, that, that Hammond set aside to, to, you know, to flow through to mid, to the benefit of middle and lower income, middle and lower income Alaska families. We're going to take all of that. Um, and then where's the roadrunner going to go? And I, you know, at that point, I truly think we're off the cliff. Right. Cause I, because there's just no place to go. But we build up all these constituencies in the meantime. Government dependency, all these right. All these education, all these college constituencies in the meantime. 
Yeah, the dependency state. We have become the dependency state where we've created our own problem. Uh, and eventually everybody will cry out in pain because we just, oh, we, we can't stop the spend. I mean, you think it's, like I said earlier, you think it's tough to stop state spending now, wait till they consume all of the PFD. And then they start talking about people start clamoring for cuts and then it'll be, well, we can't do that. People are dependent on it. You'll, you'll crash the economy. People will be unemployed. You can't do that. Uh, I could see the handwriting on the wall already. I could see it coming. It's going to be, it's going to be painful. But uh, you, you can't, you can't see it coming by reading the, the ADN or the beacon no, or anything else. No. And you can't see it coming by listening to, listening to the, to the most of the hearings uh, that are going on in the legislature these days, particularly on the Senate side. Yeah, no, no, I mean, it's, you, it's pie in the sky. It's in the Senate side. We've got to, it's our, it's our God given responsibility to spend this money that we don't have to keep you protected and bolstered and everything else. And you should be, you little child, you should be happy with what we give you in the end. That's what it's all about. It's, it's insane. It is insanity. All right. Well, Brad, hey, thanks for all the positivity. Appreciate that. Thanks for. <laughs> That's what Chris is for. That's why we're bringing Chris on because, man, I am bleeding from every orifice right now. Wait, just blood dripping from my eye right now, waiting to, to feel the pain. But thanks for bringing it out, Brad. I appreciate you coming on board and joining us. Um, we'll we'll see where it goes from here. We'll see where it goes. Thanks so much for uh, coming on board and being part of it today. Thanks for having me, Michael. Uh, as always, great stuff. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Let's get Chris Story uh, on the line right now, and we will get uh, get him squared away, and we'll uh, – oh, we got to go. Here we go. Here we go. Getting Chris on the line. Phone's ringing. Um, no, really. Phone's ringing. Are you with me, Chris? Bah. All right. Hold on a second. We're going to have to call Chris here in just a second. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. All right, uh, welcome back to the program, The Michael Duke Show. We're continuing here, getting things ready. Chris Story, the man from Homer. Uh, are you with us, Chris? Can you hear me? Uh, I don't know why I always, I don't know why I always have a problem with Chris. Hold us, uh, Chris, I'm going to call you back. Hold on a second here. Uh, I'm trying to figure out why, why. Why does it hate me? Why does all the why does all the stuff hate me? I don't know. Not really. Uh, I mean, so let me let me try that one more time. We'll, we'll try that one more time. We'll get Chris on the line and we'll go from there here because we really need that dose of positivity. Hey, look! Now I can hear the ringing. So good morning, Michael. Hey, uh, hey, how are you, my friend? It's uh, it's lucky. It's lucky whatever. I don't know exactly what it's lucky with, but it's lucky whatever. Chris Story joins us this morning. <sighs> Sounds like we're lucky just to be here together. I don't know. You know what? And I don't know why it's your phone number only. I use this thing all the time. 
But when you call me or I call you, we always end up having to call each other again because for some reason it just does not. It's the it's the negativity of the world, Chris. It's fighting back. It's working against yeah, you. It's, the, it's them. It's them. It's the them. they. It's the they out there. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I you know. Crossed the line right there. Pal. I know. I know. I know. I uh, know they, and you're no they. Yeah, you sir are no they. Um, all right. Well, Chris Story, sir, <laughs> joins us this morning. God. I know it's this almost gone from bad to worse. It was like it was ugly, wasn't it? All right. Um, yeah. So today we're going to dive into it here. Uh, we're running a little late, but we're going to get into it. You've got a good topic for us today, which is one lucky slave. I don't know exactly what that means, but that's a little scary. Go ahead and uh, hit us with your positivity <laughs> today, Chris. What's going on? Well, thank you. Thank you for handing me the torch there, Michael. Yeah. Epictetus. One of my favorite Stoic philosophers, he was born a slave in 55 AD, and he said a few things that you and I will find commonality with. He, he actually said some things that, that you and I have talked about on this program, just not necessarily attributed to Epictetus. He said, as you think, so you become. And he wrote these words upon his own freedom. He earned his own freedom. He became a freed slave and he became a, a darling of the roman empire for a number of years and he'd go on to say all events contain an advantage for you if you look for them so every event in your life he said has some advantage be it a negative event or some circumstance that, that's horrific and out of your control has some advantage for you if only you'll look for it and you and I are fans of Think and Grow Rich. Napoleon Hill, some 2,000 years later, would write, with every adversity comes with it, the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit. They're saying the same thing, a couple thousand years apart. Uh, of course, Napoleon Hill, born into poverty right. in, uh, in uh, Virginia, and right. Epictetus, born a slave. And so Epictetus would go on to not only curry favor with the Roman Empire and the emperor, he gained a huge following. Well, his following, even prior to, like, I know you've got a huge following, Michael, on TikTok and Snapchat and, uh, you know, Grindr, whatever, whatever, whatever you kids are on. Only fans, right? Only but fans. Um, exactly. He had no social media and yet gained a huge following such that the emperor became afraid of his popularity and banished him to the northern coast of Greece. Well, what would he do on the northern coast of Greece is this banished, now free slave who no longer could gather his people together and really talk and teach in his, his college. He just walked his talk. He found the advantage in that place that he was banished to, and he started talking to the people that were there. And a young guy by the name of Marcus was one of his students, and this student, Marcus, rose in the ranks of, of Epictetus's new little following, and he'd go on to become Marcus Aurelius, a Roman empire. So not only did he walk the talk, he lived it all the way through uh, his some 80 years on, on, on this planet. So I think he's got something to teach us. You could be born a slave, and yet you can find the good in the position. You could be Victor Frankl, have an incredible life in Germany, and until you don't, and you find yourself in a concentration camp, and yet on the other side of it, he would go on to pen man's search for meaning and teach millions of people how to overcome the circumstances of the day and still go on to live a good life. 
So what you're saying is that every cloud has its silver line. I mean, this is, again, you know, uh, uh, Napoleon Hill paraphrases the same thing that, that, you, that, you, that your lucky slave does, and we're saying the same kind of thing. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun. It's the different ways of saying it, right? That each, each yes. thing that you face has something in it that you can turn to your advantage. Every opportunity, every uh, tragedy, every obstacle, every everything has in it a seed of forwarding your agenda or forwarding your goal or your ideals or moving forward um you've just got to have the patience and the and the wherewithal to search it out and and platitudes can often create eye rolls you know like oh god you silver line are you kidding me well when you take a platitude like you know every circumstance has some equivalent or greater benefit and you wrap it around the story of Epictetus, born a slave, who went on to say such things and freed himself through his own works. Suddenly, that platitude becomes, "Oh, I can, I can better relate to that. I can. I mean, man, my circumstance is nothing compared to that. Imagine what I could do." And I think our job is not just to know these stories or or be able to cite the platitudes, but literally keep our mind and eyes open for the opportunity, hiding very often right. in plain sight. Right. Uh, another another platitude is uh, opportunity favors the bold. All right, fine. What does that mean? Well, that means you have to be bold enough to look for what's lucky in life right now, even if everything's going wrong. Are you right. brave enough to do that and take action? Well, and we talk about opportunity knocking, right? You know, many times I think probably in my life opportunity did knock, but I was not in a place where I could recognize it right i mean there's there's you have to be there has to be a, a certain set of circumstances that you have to prepare yourself to be able to see the opportunity when it's there the opportunity to to do it and to knock and to understand where it was whether it was investing in something that later went you know bananas and and you know and and went from zero to hero you know it was a penny stock and then the next you know five ten years later it's a you know 50 60 80 100 150 dollars a stock or if it's an opportunity for a business or for something like that you you have to be able to place yourself in that mindset to be able to see the opportunity if all you see is the negative the opportunity could pass you by or maybe it's just not the negative maybe you just don't have a goal or a plan and you're wandering aimlessly and the opportunity is presented in front of you, but you don't recognize it because you don't have a plan for where you want to go. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. A friend of mine and I were talking yesterday and, and he's, you know, he's 76, 77 years old. And his, uh, his very adult son asked him to write a few things down. He said, dad, would you, would you, go back to like when me and my sister were little and you know, I have a lot of memories about this or where did we live or what was life like there? Would you, would you take a little time and just write about that? And this friend of mine is not a writer. He can write. He's not illiterate. He's just not a writer. And so we were talking about this. Well, how's it going? He said, it's really difficult. And I said, the writing, he goes, no, going back and, and reliving and thinking in terms of, he didn't say it this way, but I'm saying lost opportunity things that, that were passed by that you can see from a, a later place in life. And so I think that's just what an incredible thing to do for your family, but for yourself to go back 10, 20, 30 years, think something through and actually 
maybe do a little bit of a self memoir. Speaking of Marcus Aurelius, he wrote meditation. No, he didn't. He wrote a journal that was then later interpreted into the book we now know as meditations. He wrote it for himself, never expected it to see the light of day. Right. And if you're not in a position like my friend who's, who's approaching his octogenarian years and, and you're like, well, I've still got so much life ahead of me, do this. I challenge you. In fact, my wife just challenged me to do this. Write a letter to yourself from your future self to your present self from 10, 20, or 30 years from now. What would you say to yourself today from that future place? And you could do both of these things and then look back and go, okay, wait a minute. Look forward and then look back and say, wait a minute. What is this opportunity that I'm missing right now? Looking at the news, are we facing a banking collapse? Are we facing uh, World War III? Are we, oh, these are huge global things beyond your control or mine. But what is an opportunity right now in life that we might be missing for just not having the eyes to see it? It could be right in front of you and you can grab it. No, I mean, I think that's it. I think we have to condition, the, you know, part of the reason why I bring you on here is to help remind people that we need to condition ourselves for success. <laughs> Your dog is snoring uh, for success uh, in our lives. I mean, you know, because the, the opportunity is that I don't think any successful person was just like they just tripped and fell over the op. They just tripped over the opportunity. They're like, oh, look, this is going to I'll just pick this up and become a millionaire. I'll just pick this up and become a successful business owner. I'll just pick this up and become a whatever, whatever your idea of success is. They didn't just trip and stumble over it. They had an idea or a goal or a plan and they conditioned themselves to because opportunity can be invisible. If you're not prepared, opportunity looks like adversity or it looks like something else or you, you just you don't you blink and you go right by it. But if you've conditioned yourself uh, through self, you know, through self-analysis, through goal setting, through, you know, writing and reading or journaling or whatever it is that the process that you use to figure out where you're going, then that opportunity all of a sudden is like a glaring neon sign when it goes by. Instead of just faded, yeah. you know, dull, faded, old, uh, you know, old, uh, what do they call those when they they'll put the wall posters up with the paste on the wall? And next thing you know, there's 15 other posters pasted on top of it. Instead of just kind of blending into the scenery, it's this glaring neon sign that says, hello, idiot. Here's the opportunity kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, At least that's what mine says. Bring, mine, me... sa mine says that. Hello, <laughs> idiot. This is your thing. You bring me on, you say, to, to remind you of this. You also bring me on due to the contract, and I will release the photographs if ever there's yes. Tuesday that I'm not here. So, yes, I mean, I think we, we understand each other. I think mutual destruction. Exactly. It's mutually assured destruction, yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's it, right? I mean, it, it, if the opportunities lie around us, but we have to condition ourselves to see them. They're everywhere. You you talked about those 3D stereographic images with the, the fractals, you know, right. where you relax your eyes yeah. and look at it. That's the thing. Most people look around and all they see is the little sparkly prismatic triangles or wedges or whatever. Then all of a sudden, one guy goes, look, there's a ship with a camel on it. And you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. <What>? right? Exactly. <laughs> you're crazy. What are you smoking? Yeah, exactly. And it's because... All of a sudden, they were conditioned to see the opportunity uh, because they conditioned themselves. They they worked on it. They're looking for it. That's where we have to be in life. We have to be on that edge of always looking for the next potential opportunity to better ourselves instead of just 
being kind of beat down and and uh, getting going along to getting along, being stuck in that trench from you know work to home to work to home to work to tavern to home to work. You know, I mean, you you've cut this trench. You have to be able to peek out over the edge of the trench. You have time for a quick Donald Trump story to emphasize that point? Absolutely. He had, or probably does, a very fine country club in California on the coast, a golf club, a country club. The manager, whom he trusted and put a lot of trust in, said to him, we aren't able to do the size events that we really need to. We're losing money, an opportunity, by not being able to cater to larger crowds because of the size of our dining room. I propose we add on. He said, write me a proposal. Let's see what you got. Okay, wrote the proposal, looked at it, said, okay, this is going to be like a four to five million dollar expansion of the dining room just to accommodate these extra guests. Right. It's going to be a pretty a regulatory process in California for construction, all of it. It was going to be very time consuming. He said, I'm going to fly out and meet you. So Donald gets into his then private plane. This is long before he was president, flies out to look at his property and he analyzes it and he says, wait a minute. Look at these chairs. These chairs are massive. How much did we pay for these chairs? And the guy told him, and he said, well, what can we get for them? If we sell these chairs uh, and replace them with smaller chairs, they did the math. Suddenly, the number of people that the manager wanted to be able to have as guests was possible with smaller chairs. They sold the big oversized chairs, made a profit on top of what they paid for the new chairs and suddenly without doing any renovation to the construction whatsoever they were able to accommodate the larger size parties that this guy this manager wanted so he not only saved millions of dollars he made a profit in the, in right. the turn of events because right. he could see it differently he wasn't as close to it as the manager was all the manager could see was a different kind of solution so right what in your life are you not seeing and this is where life coaching this is where getting third-party perspective can make a big difference. I'm fortunate. I'm married to a life coach. And if you're not, find one. Find somebody that can help you if you're not, put life into a different right. perspective. If you're not, find one that you can marry because that makes it easier. It's cheaper. It's cheaper well, in the long run. Uh, Chris Story, the man from Homer, thanks for coming on board, folks. we got to go. We'll be back with more in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-Based, Free Thinking Radio. We return to more right after this. What is that? Common Sense. Regularly heard on American Radio. Michael Duke Show. Uh, Chris, Chris stories, Chris, I think this show today was just for you and me. Everybody else is in the chat room going on and on about green carbon credits, ESG and all that. I mean, I, I think it was just you and me today, baby. Just, just talking about it. I appreciate what you brought to the table because, uh, you're right. I mean, I can look back and if I look back at a couple things, you know, it's like the, uh, I feel so stupid sometimes when I think about this. Uh, when when Bitcoin first came out, I actually brought somebody on to explain it to me because I'm like, talk to me like I'm five. I don't exactly understand what this is all about. And at the time, he actually showed me how to open up my Bitcoin wallet and everything else. And and he's like, here, I'm going to send you some Bitcoin. He goes, I'm going to send you, I think it was a dollar fifty worth of Bitcoin. I'm like, okay. He sent me a dollar fifty worth of Bitcoin. And I'm like, boy, I should maybe I should put some money in this. And he goes, well, you could. It's, you know, there's no guarantee of anything, but I, this is where I think things are going. You know, fast forward nine years later, that $1.50 of Bitcoin that he gave me was worth $240 in Bitcoin. And I'm like, 
man, <laughs> if I had only dropped a hundred bucks or a couple hundred bucks or a thousand bucks in that, I could, but I just didn't see the opportunity. I wasn't prepared at that time. Yeah. I wasn't in that right. mindset, you know, but you could look back at right. things like that in the hindsight and go, oof, I had an opportunity and I just, yeah. I just walked right on by it. Not even, it wasn't like I denied it. It was like, I didn't even see it when uh when when that's coming on it's 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 interesting yeah. to see yeah we've all got that hindsight 2020 on bitcoin and other things my daughter was joking with me she was about to make an investment of ten thousand bucks in this or that she could put in the bitcoin or that well she did that whatever that was but if she said if i'd only done it in the bitcoin we'd be living on a private island all of us right Ex now. Exactly. It's funny. Yeah. No, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, dang, if only, if only, right? That's that's the perfection of hindsight in 2020. But again, just <clears throat> setting ourselves up so that we recognize opportunity. That I mean, I yeah. think that's the thing. It's always around us. We like are just not on the same wave. For example, the people in the, in the chat room or whomever is having a conversation right now about what's happening, what's at the forefront of our mind relative to what our governor is doing, our government here in Alaska is doing or not doing. And then I just listened to an interview with Ron DeSantis. He's out promoting his new book and obviously making a, a bit of a speculative bid towards the White House, maybe this time around. And so he's out there all over the circuit. And I was thinking to myself, what is the difference between Ron DeSantis and Governor Mike Dunleavy? Besides, you know, one is six foot you know, 17 or whatever Dunleavy is, and, and Ron's a normal-sized human. Well, what what really is the difference? And and it's just perspective. It's their mindset, willingness to go against the grain. Uh, Ron, to my way of thinking, doesn't care if he gets reelected or not. He's going to behave how he wants to. All Mike Dunleavy does is thinking about getting reelected. And so he's just waffling in the wind of whatever's prevailing in the moment. And what would it take to get Ron DeSantis to become governor of Alaska? Wait a minute. Is there an opportunity hiding in plain sight? Do we have a Ron DeSantis by person living here in Alaska right now that we could encourage to run for governor? He's already made his fortune, doesn't rely on his brother's oil fortune. He's already in uh, the private sector versus academia. Uh, there's somebody here. What's that opportunity? Yeah, we could sit here and argue back and forth, or we could say, wait a minute, who do we know? What, what do we know? Who do we know? How can we get them to say yes and take Alaska to where Florida's at? Could we be where Florida's at in 10 years? Yes, we could. Or we could continue arguing over the PFD. I want my share. You get too much. Right. Or we could find somebody with the bravery and the balls to do what Ron DeSantis has done in Alaska. That's something we could all put. Is that an opportunity hiding in plain sight? Who is that person? And can we convince them to say yes and put Alaska on the map towards being Florida in 10 years versus the nanny state? And the continuing arguing over getting our federal potion. I want more federal money. We want, do we really need a $265 million harbor in Alaska, in Homer, Alaska right now? That's what's on the table. Guess where we're going to get it? Not, not from us. It's going to be from the federal government. Uncle Sugar, state, yeah. Which, by the way, they're both, they're both broke. Right. We don't have any right. money. So what's right. that opportunity hiding in plain sight right now? Who is that person? Who is our Ron DeSantis? Let's find him or her and get them to Juno. Yeah, more opportunity. So, I mean, the lesson there is the opportunity is not necessarily just personal opportunity. It could be an opportunity to yes. save the state or whatever. Yeah, no, I mean, I I, yes. I agree. I agree. I think that they're... It could be just one person, one conversation, had later today, get the right person thinking this direction, say goodbye to the political class, say goodbye to Dan Sullivan, who only thinks about 
Uh, he's a good guy, but he wants to be reelected worse than anything in the world. Yeah. Every yeah. senator, every yeah. senator wants to be president. They have these grandiose dreams of it. He ain't never going to be president. Right. And all he can do now is, is hold on to that seat for the next 40 years. Um, no, we need to say goodbye to Dan Sullivan and find who's going to replace Dan, who's going to replace Mike in Juno, and let's get some real solutions to the table. And by the way, who's going to replace uh, Mary Pitola, who's a placeholder for, you know, the late Don Young. Well, and Lisa, Maybe don't forget, Lisa. don't forget, Lisa, who's going to replace. If Is that ever going to happen or is she going to die in office like Don Young? Um, all right. Well, I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff going wrapped friend? up in that. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you coming on. See you board. later. We'll see you later. Thanks yes, for pleasure. thanks for being part of it. Chris Story, the man from Homer, uh, our guest today. Jumping back into it. Here we go. One final segment, The Michael Duke Show. Okay. Welcome back. One final segment of the show this morning. Whatever you guys want to uh, chat about, I'll throw the phone lines open for this one final segment. I was just commenting on the chat room because it was very apparent nobody, you know, hardly anybody in the chat room was listening to what Chris had to say because, boy, man, there's been a big fight over Carbon credits, ESG, greenery, blah, 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 all going on in the chat room right now, which, <laughs> all right, anyway, whatever you, whatever you want to talk about, let's, uh, let's, 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 let's chat about uh, whatever, 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150, special thanks to Satellite West for sponsoring the program today. You can find out more about them at SatelliteWest.com. From Menchumana to Metlakatla to Minto. From um, Kaktovic to Kobuk to Kotzebue. Give me another letter. From Valdez to... Oh, see, I screwed myself because I don't know another V V city in Alaska. Uh, uh, oh, uh, Venati. Valdez to Venati. There you go. That's there you go. I, I did it. Satellite West, wherever you are in the state of Alaska, Satellite West has got you covered for connectivity, be it uh, satellite phones and staying on the phone or being able to send emails or being able to send text messages with your bivy stick or whatever it is. They've got you covered. SatelliteWest.com. Go check them out. Phone lines are open. You want to sound off? Now is the time to do it. Uh, I want to go back to what Brad was talking about again, this disconnect, this disconnect between revenue and spending. Here's what we have in this state. We have a huge problem. We have a huge, huge problem where our politicians, let me, let me just say that again. We have a huge problem where our politicians have, are completely disconnected between the spending and the revenue in this state. We are continuing to spend more money than we've ever taken in. We're continuing to deplete whatever savings we had left. We're taking the permanent fund. The permanent fund is going to be gone by 2028 based on the current rate of spending. And then they will look at us, and as I said earlier, they will say, well, 
Alaska doesn't pay any taxes, and so now you need to pay your fair share. Jack, we've been paying taxes since 2016. All of our taxes have been taken out even prior to that with the oil revenues where the state got it all, and we got just the breadcrumbs on the other side. Until there is a connection between what the revenues are in this state and and connects that to the spending, nothing is ever going to change. They're going to do good us right into the ground. We cannot, there is no disconnect in reality, there is no disconnect between the public and the private economy. The public economy should be dependent on the private economy, not the other way around. And that's how they're running it right now. I, you know, that that's the bottom line. They have just, you know, continued to look at us, you know, through the glazed eye and said, don't worry, we'll take care of it. It'll be fine. We've got all these programs, all these things that need to be done. We've created this huge dependency state, which is only going to get worse. We've got one third of the state right now on some form of government subsidy. That's just on the welfare side of the equation, not the corporate welfare, just the regular old, you know, what you would think social safety net side, 276,000 people on Medicaid and Section 8 housing and all food stamps and all these other things, but upwards of 270 plus thousand people on that already. Not to mention the corporate side welfare, where you've got these big companies who are just bannering for telecom contracts and construction contracts and everything else. And they built their whole business around the idea that government spend is the only thing that keeps them going. So between the, the one side, the, le- the, the, what we would, what the conservatives would consider to be welfare on the one side, uh, 270,000 people plus, And on the other side where the liberal progressive people would consider to be corporate welfare in the corp, you know, the corporatocracy, the corporatocracy, corporatocracy, where they are dependent on government and manipulating and utilizing government to fill their own coffers. Meanwhile, the libertarians in the middle are going, "This is insane." We got all these people who've been dependent on it. Another ten years, it'll be so big that there will be no way. You, th- I said, you think it's tough right now to cut government. You think there's no political will now? Wait till you put more people on the dole or the roll, one one side or the other. Wait till you put more companies or more people on the government teat, and then wait to see what happens when they say, "Well, we got it. We we got we we can't do it. We got no more." Oh well, you can't do that. People are depending on it. People will die. They'll lose their homes. They'll be it'll be doom and gloom and dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria, everything else. In another five years, there you go. That's what's going to happen when they've all discovered, as Bastiat talked about, that they can vote themselves largesse from the government trough. It's too late. Because then, well, we can't, if we cut government, man, people would lose their jobs. People would lose their jobs. Oh, and that would damage. And the government withdrawing money, that would that would damage the economy. No, take that money and put it back into the private economy where it turns into more money. Instead of putting it in the public economy where it just squeezes it down and reduces it. 
you give government $100, you get what? A buck, two bucks, three bucks, maybe 10 bucks out the other side. You put $100 in the private economy and you get five, six, seven hundred bucks. That's not me talking. That's economics. That's how it works. Government does not create wealth. The private economy creates wealth, entrepreneurship, the free market. Government is a net consumer of wealth. So all these people who are saying, well, the only reason that we're failing in the state of Alaska is we're just, we're just not spending enough government money. That's the problem. We just didn't put enough into our children. We didn't spend it. I mean, even though there's been a 35% increase, a 35% increase in overall education spend in the last 18, 19 years, we just didn't put enough in there. We spent more than ever last year, more than we ever thought possible, but we just didn't spend enough. It's, you know, we've got to spend more. I've I've said it once, I'll say it a million times. It's like we're on the train, chugging down the tracks, and the guy up front has got his binoculars out, and he screams back that the bridge is out. And the legislator who's standing inside the engine with a shovel in his hand just looks at it and goes, let's pour some more coal to it. We'll make it, we'll make it over that jump. No big deal. And they start shoveling the coal into the box to go faster and faster. No way to apply. The other guy's like, maybe we should apply the brake. No, no. We can make it. This will be spectacular. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. And that's that's where we're at right now. That's government in a nutshell. Got to go. We'll see you tomorrow, my friends. Have a great day. I mean, that's... If that's not, that's exactly where we're at, right? Exactly where we're at. All right, my friends, we got to go. Thanks for coming in tomorrow. Mike Shower will be joining us. And uh, we'll be, uh, we'll be, we'll be talking with him about everything that's going on down in Juneau. Until then, be kind, love one another, live well. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. See you then.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.